to another episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Mellon McFadden. How you all doing out there in podcast land? We love getting together and chatting to you guys. It's always good. How have you been there, uh, Tia? Man, I'm, I'm good. I'm just uh, enjoying my best life out here in these lush, lush shoes. Don't look at me like that, Mike. You're Don't so look full at me. of shit. You're so full of shit. That was the weakest. I'm doing good. Come on, man. Raph I can't. Raph woke up late. We're- and he's fucking it away. He's trying to. He's trying his best. And he woke up and he's like, oh, I checked my phone. And they're doing an episode. Shit. I, well, I, I better get ready and get my coffee of me and start off the day. That's the real. He really, he really sounded like he'd had like eight cigars and a half bottle of scotch or something last night as well. Look at his. Well, it's a, he was Mr. Cranky. He was Mr. Cranky. He was all mean and funny earlier. I, I, I was cranky, but you have to admit the man, I had some good zingers. I had some great you zingers. Did. I should, we should have recorded those. <laughs> uh, you won't remember any of them now. There's no, there's no repeat. How about you, Mike? How you doing, man? Not bad, honestly. It's not great. Not, not whatever. It's kind of a just a chill day, if I'm being honest. Uh, it was a, it was a good episode last week with uh, the Decision Hour and uh, and Adam. I, I, re- I really liked it. I listened to it a few times this week, and uh, yeah, it was really good talking with him. And I, I think we really had a fun time doing it. But other than that, man, he's such a He's such a good dude. He's so funny. I mean, if you, not your average operator, listeners are not aware, we've got uh, a group that back us and the CEO there is Adam Bird and he has his own show called The Decision Hour. And it's sort of like, you know, every day, there's always things that come up every hour, every minute. We make decisions and some of them you're happy and you look back on you're proud of and others you don't. And he sort of breaks down a whole lot of stuff that way. And he invited the three, <laughs> us three idiots on to his podcast and sort of like closing out his year on his show. And uh, it was a real privilege for the three of us to go on. I don't think he's ever had three guests on before. And it sort of starts with a bit of mayhem. So uh, we we posted it to our, our uh, site last week and it's it's a lot of fun. And then it, it really, some gold came out that he sort of turned around to mindset and, you know, how you can, how do you get yourself out of maybe a negative space or get yourself going in a positive place you know, when, when it's not descended upon you, when you're not just like skipping down the street with roses and the sound of music in your ears. How do you how do you make a good day? Raph. Yeah. I was just gonna say my favorite part was when Adam realized that our shit talking is not rehearsed and it's not scripted <laughs> and it's completely <laughs> like just off the cuff and because you can just see it in his face like Oh, these dudes are serious. Like they literally start every episode with the first twenty minutes of just berating each other. And it's like it's like yeah. Chaz has said it best. It's we, like the, the brothers. Like the, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I like the way that he, the little tear rolled down his corner of his eye when he when you called him a Southern Bin Laden. He's got a big he's got a big goatee for those who don't know. You can check him out. He's always on uh, Facebook and he's got quite a distinguished uh wolf stripe in the chin. And someone's <laughs> someone pointed out he looked a little bit like UVL. Well, it was it was the salt and pepper. I said, dude, you have the same salt and pepper that Osama bin Laden had on his beard when they captured him. And he's like, and that was he just rolled. That was head. when that was when he realized that there's no freaking no standing still, man. You gotta you gotta sling some shit back. And he did. He was good. It was good. It was rapid. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah he dropped some INS references. Um, yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> he, 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 
He dropped that off yeah. the tape, man. Was, he did. He did. Was, yeah. Woo. That was good. I mean, we've all he, we've all got a mental image of you going over the back fence super fast, Raph. He definitely used every bit of school schoolyard rules. I was very impressed. Well, that's military, right? Like you gotta you gotta dish it out. You gotta develop a thick skin. It's part of it. Yeah. But. And so, yeah, like I, that that episode last week was just such a great um, impromptu. So, like, we didn't know really what we we're gonna what he was gonna hit us with. It's just such a nice way to 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 get together and and share an experience with him because he's sort of there in the background. He helps us out a lot with all the producing and and hosting details and so on. So he's like the silent fourth member of the team. Oh, he's far. more than that. He's more than that. I mean, he comes through every time. Mike fucks it away with trying to record and trying to get the stuff together. Adam literally makes it seamless. So the listeners don't know that a lot of the time it's like down to the, down to the wire because Mike fucked it away usually. Uh-huh. I mean, I've, I've done it once, but uh-huh. I mean, it's usually Mike. Uh-huh. All right, let's stop there. Uh, for the listeners, let's go back to the last four episodes and you will hear about how Raph showed up late, didn't show up, uh, or in all this stuff. So I, I, lo- I appreciate the words. But as we're going to talk about in today's topic, <laughs> actions and approach are a lot more important. So it's, you know, the records are there, pal. I just, that's, all, that's all I need to say. I don't need to get any deeper than that. Because people know. If only, if, I, if only the listeners had the video that I have, because Raph was talking shit and Mike started really like, I was like, oh no, he's going to say some mean shit now. He's, he's, he's getting feisty. It does happen. The next episode is just going to be a screenshot of our text conversation, and you will see in the little right hand corner <laughs> on Facebook of the pic- Raph's picture appears. So he sees it, but there's no comment. And we know he just woke up and he's like, fuck. <laughs> and then there's no, hey, is Raph joining us today? We don't know. We'll find out. So you can just but- picture like the sombrero got pushed up and a hand came out and picked up the phone and put him, fuck. Yeah, yeah. And then, you, and then you call him out, the chin goes up, the nostrils get flared, and then there's like another, he has another teardrop tattoo, and it's just like, yeah, you fucked another one away. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry that I'm the only one that's a professional, and I've got a family, and I've got property maintained, and I'm doing mountain man things while you're over there just fucking creating memes and dressing like Brett Michael and just acting <laughs> like just a clown all around. Raps, okay, sorry, we're going there. Raps talking about mountain man shit, and you know, I want to grind my own coffee. He woke, he woke up late, and he's like, "I'm gonna have myself some folder." Right. Okay, nothing okay. but the best. <laughs> that was best. in complete best. confidentiality. <laughs> Jesus, there's nothing sacred anymore. Okay. The best part of the way Heroes. is fucking it away with your cup. Yeah, yeah, that's Raps. Heroes Media Group coffee only for Raph. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Melon. Hey, oh, does God. this look like Folger's crystal to you, you son of a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Raph's using a, a V60 pour over. Very nice. Do you know what I'm looking forward to? I was thinking maybe next week we could uh, we could reattack an old Irish mate of mine. We caught up with him at the Dubai Sevens uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were over there. Um, Mark McCarthy, who you may remember from, we did a three-part series on critical incident uh, debriefing, preparation, lessons learned and stuff. Really high-end stuff from a senior trauma nurse instructor. I would suggest you check that series out. But he's very funny. We just were chatting about perhaps having a, a Santa episode with 
the Irish Santa on a dial in. So that could be a, a bit of fun for next week. Maybe not maybe not like a you know major lessons, but just a bit of fun for Christmas. Yeah. Can can we do that episode on a Tuesday so we can just say see you next Tuesday every time we banter with him? I like that. Uh, he's Irish. I feel like it would he's Irish. Only, it would only be appropriate. It's only a Tuesday when you talk to an Irishman. Yeah. Every day's a Tuesday. But like the Irish, the uh, Dubai Sevens was super fun. I sort of didn't get a chance to talk about that when we were with um, Adam last week. But I went down to the old strapping tent where uh, Simon and I used to hang out. And uh, yeah, it was old men standing around getting uh, bloody elbows and knees and shoulders and necks and stuff all taped up. The busiest person in the world is the uh, physio at the Veterans Rugby. And uh, man, it was fun. It was just a fun, fun three days. You know, Michael's a bit old now, so he was like processing the the tournament aspect of it, like that it's not just your dad getting around. Like he was saying, there was some pretty heavy competition. When we beat some of the big clubs in Dubai who were like playing rugby every weekend and stuff, and they've got a clubhouse and <laughs> stuff that we don't have out here in Riyadh, we're pretty infrastructure free. Um, There's nothing better. Yeah, a lot than of fun. Yeah a bunch of 40 plus year old men running around a field, throwing balls at each other, smelling like icy hot, you know, and, <laughs> and short shorts and suit jackets, you know, I'm still trying yeah, to yeah. process the whole thing as an American, but, uh, it's just, I, as I, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that we do that's just, you know, awkward, but you know, short shorts, suit jackets, ties, drinks, icy hot, and sweaty balls thrown at each other and tackling and you know it's yeah, a hell that's of a scrum. It's a hell of a scrum. That's the player. first that's the first thing you notice when you go to a rugby game and you're standing around Mellon is that there's not enough material where there should be more material on those shorts. You're like, dude, think of the children. <laughs> Speaking of which, you get carded for having such white legs, and why do you have white legs in the desert? That makes zero got, sense to a lot of people. Have you, I've gotten many I, comments about I that. only wear the soup. I only wear the super short, short shorts, like rarely. Most of the time I'm getting around in flying suit. Don't get me sun on my legs. I'll, I'll, I'll probably post a photo of that on the on the episode when it comes out. There's uh, myself, the the everyone's favorite Tongan, Sioni, who flew from freaking Hawaii via Washington to get to Dubai, which is not exactly a straight line, to come in and play. And he absolutely had a freaking absolute amazing tournament. He's got the world's shortest mullet now because he had to cut off the the Samsonics. The strength of the man was in the locks. The soul glow is back to short. But um, yeah, there's a, a he saw a Fijian rugby player going through the crowd and he recognized and knew who it was and grabbed him and we got a photo with him. And there was the Fiji captain of their sevens rugby team that won the 2016 Olympic gold medal. And they were, you know, speaking bit of Polynesian to each other and there's a lot of laughter and but man that's like that's royalty in Fiji that guy like inaugural ever gold medal in their national sport yeah so I'll put the photo up with the uh, episode but a lot of fun and you'll see some disgustingly short shorts which is our comedy routine rugby outfit like formal jacket and tie and stupidly short shorts just tone down the lighting in the picture so you know we can actually see other people and not the light refracting off your legs. All right. Uh, everyone gets to experience it. Pasty what? <laughs> everyone has to suffer. No one is spared. 
Uh, and so how's everything else going? How's like how's like the bean? You know, I miss the bean. Uh, Hamburger the patties for feet. Bean. Yeah, dude, it's funny because you do you hear his little feet slapping every time he runs around. Um, the bean is doing great. He's just it's crazy. You know, I mean, he's at that age where every week you can see small changes in his face and his he looks taller. He's heavier. You know, I'm throwing him up because you know he's used to me tossing him up in the air and he still wants me to do that. And I'm just like. Dude, you're you're heavy. Like this is a workout now. I've got to like break you down into sets and reps. <laughs> Before I would just you know throw him up as many times as he wanted, but now I'm like, bro, I got to do three sets of four. <laughs> Has he grown out a mustache or anything yet? No, I I think he's gonna be hairless like his mother. But he's Thank uh, God. yeah, yeah. Seriously, he does. Yeah, but. No, I mean he's he's amazing, man. Uh, he's so really good. evolving. He's healthy. He's just a healthy, healthy, very happy kid. Like he's a very happy kid. We're very fortunate. Is he out in the snow? Is it like a, you've got snow there now, right? Oh yeah, dude. We've had a, some legit storms come through last night. It's died down a little bit, so we have I don't know, maybe a foot in the last couple of days. Um, so yeah, they were out last night, uh, sledding. I was packing my stuff cause I'm going to hit the road later, but, uh, they were out sledding on the property and then they made slushies, um, you know, with just fresh powder and then you put like lemonade or ice drink or whatever. It's kind of like a ghetto version of homemade slushies. Pretty good though. So he had his first slushie. I used to get made, uh, yellow slushies and the kids would always make me try to eat them and i didn't understand why it was just it was a weird childhood i don't, yeah. I don't think i deserved it it, taste, it didn't taste like lemon but uh i don't know is that they, is that a problem for you guys I, i'm assuming they pro- they probably took your lunch money too right to uh, pay for the- only on not on wednesdays wednesdays was swirly whirly day and that was you know so hmm. that, ex- that explains everything interesting like your Arnold biscuits on a paddle pop stick. It's no good. <laughs> well, should All we right. kick this thing off before yeah. we get down the I, rabbit hole? I reckon we get into the show, Mike. You know? Give us your Australian accent. Where are you up to with it? Oh, shit. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, it just faded there under pressure. You've been did, so yeah. good. You've it been did, so good in the banter. No, it's just, just a, you know. Uh, good eye, mate. This is Melon. I had a fucking hell of a week, mate. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you reckon? I reckon, I reckon all the yins is a 7% Aussies. That's I reckon we've got we a little... The, I reckon we went off to the rugby pitch. You know, I, I noticed at the end of Australian words, the, the last, like, three letters, it, it's like an elevated in, in the word, you know? I went to the rugby pitch, and then I went out and took a shit, you know, and it's just like, I noticed that. Even Michael does it and, and Cheza and everything. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's it, it, like, leaves you the language of suspense. Like, that's the end of that sentence. What's coming next? Like, I don't know. I think that's why it's so intriguing to Americans to hear the Australian accent. It's because I'm so excited to hear what comes out, you know. Might be the Irish accent because we love the sound of our own voices like they do. You can talk underwater in Ireland or Australia. <laughs> Maybe we're like... We want to keep you hanging. Like this story is going to go somewhere. Trust me. All right, lead us in. Lead us in, Mike. Tell us what we're going to talk about this week. All right. So uh, 
in lieu of Raph's new new job with uh, Jet White and his private business, not running soldiers to and from different countries um, in his backyard, uh, <laughs> we thought we'd talk America. about. Yeah, yeah. We we thought we'd talk about you know with New Year's coming up and if there's people with the New Year's resolutions or transitions uh, in life, I guess the topic that came up is about prepping yourself for an interview for a new job or position, right? And and kind of how to approach that. So the three of us has kind of experienced it. So Mellon uh, last year kind of had one that he went through that was pretty big as far as promotion. Uh, Raf just got himself a new job and a new position and everything after a long, long time. And um, I actually have one coming up next month that I'm preparing for as well. So I think we can all kind of come together, talk about some great points on preparation and uh, approaches with attitude and, uh, you know, having all your, your ducks in a row pretty much. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Uh, we think it's important for people that kind of have structure and an idea going in, whether it's your resume or how you dress or how you plan on speaking or what you plan on talking about. So I think it was a good topic. Sure. Like new year, new opportunities, hopefully abounding for lots of people. The economy seems to be really picking up in most of the Western countries, certainly Australia and the US seem to be really starting what could be just a, I've heard people talk about the roaring twenties, right? And hopefully that's where we're going to be shortly. And when that opportunity comes knocking, you want to be ready. So we thought we'd do an episode on interview preparation to get your, uh, you know, the best possible result when the opportunity's there. So the one who's done it most recently, so Raf's done it most recently, I'm about a year uh, back and, you know, opportunities are a bounty for Mike. So he's, he's wanting to get ready too. So how about we think about where did, where did you start your preparation there, Raph? I mean, you don't have to give away any uh, industry secrets or yeah, any yeah, stuff yeah. you can't talk about, but just big picture. So I would say if I had to kind of partition off the sections that showed any sort of progress in the direction that I was trying to go, it's, uh, it's, it's three things. And I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. Networking. The networking that you do with uh, your cohort, with, you know, it, you'd be surprised, man. I mean, I've had people reach out to me that weren't even pilots, weren't even in the aviation community. And all they said was like, hey, man, I know so-and-so who is the head of HR for, the, for this company. I mean, I've had opportunities like that kind of present themselves. It wasn't what I wanted. But the fact is, the minute I showed any interest in moving from the current position that I'm into another, the networking thing was something that I worked diligently at. I mean, literally, I was always it wasn't like I was just contacting contacting people just to be like, hey, man, I'm looking for a job. Can you help me? It, it was never like that. It was literally, hey, man, how are you doing? How's the family? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it wouldn't even be until like the fourth conversation. I was like, oh, yeah. You know, when they when they finally asked me, like, well, what are you up to? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm looking to make a move. You know, so I never concentrated the conversation on just me moving because that's selfish. It, who, who gives a shit? No one cares that you're trying to move, right? Like that's... Um, it's just not genuine. It's not authentic. And uh, so that's something to consider. Um, it, and obviously, everybody has different, different, depending on what your job is or what your career track is, um, the technicality of piece of it might be a little different. Obviously, for aviation, there's a big technical portion of it. So I had to start preparing because uh, in this type of flying that I'm going to be doing now, which is you know commercial airline for major airline, it's 
falls under regulation 121, FAR 121, which is its own set of rules. And I'm coming from a background where I was basically flying under military rule uh, overseas, which was basically the wild west, for lack of a better term. We, we, you'll do things that you wouldn't normally do on a 737 or an Airbus, right? Like you're not going to come in on a 10 degree approach into an ILS. Like you're just not going to do that. It's completely, you'll lose your license before you touch the ground. Um, so I had to get out of that tactical mindset and I knew that I had to start getting into the books and, and just really, really start showing up my weaknesses. Cause I did. I mean, I had been flying commercially in national airspace in quite a while. So I had to know, you know, what appropriate approach looked like, what, what, um, garnered me uh, executing a go around, you know, if an aircraft's not established on a three, three degree glide slope, blah, blah, blah. There's all these technicalities. So I really started looking at my weaknesses and, and, and said, right, if these questions come up, I better answer them like I've been doing it for the last 20 years. And then the last thing I would say is performance. And I actually took a, and this isn't even my idea. I went to this convention where there was all these airlines that were hiring and I had the fortunate opportunity of meeting a legacy airline recruiter and the best advice he gave me was hey when we give you this interview or whoever you go with he's like before you set foot in that interview room he's like spend the time rehearsing what you you know the because some of the questions i don't care what your job is are always going to be the same right hey how do you feel with how do you deal with conflict resolution why did you pick our company you know it, it I mean, honestly, they're the same. Just fill in the blank. Um, and he said, and his recommendation was like, I would stand in a room. I would rehearse your answers because you don't want them to be too long. You also don't want them to be too short. And record and just watch your face, watch your expression, watch the words that you're using, look for the ums and the crutches and, and that sort of stuff. And just refine. He's like, you're not trying to be a car salesman, but you kind of are. You're trying to get it to like a two-minute response because nobody wants to sit there for 10 minutes and listen to you talk about the same subject. He's like, so be engaging. And I was like, man, that is brilliant advice. And that's exactly what I did. And so in the last four months, I've interviewed four different times for four different types of companies. Um, but the one that I recently landed was really the one that I was kind of coveting and the one that I wanted. And all those things that I just talked about literally made the interview happen. And and not not to brag, but I crushed the interview because I was prepared, not because I'm that good. It's because I had been preparing for four months. I I took everybody's advice. My networking was solid. It was through my networking that I actually was able to get a face-to-face -face with one of the base chief pilots, which is massive. I mean, it's massive. It's like getting to know the number three of a company, right? Like it's if you have that opportunity, you take it, but you don't just take it. You prepare for it. But, you know, it's, again, how do you get to the opportunity? It's networking, it's friendships, it's authenticity, it's all those things. So, yeah, Melon. It's, I mean, there's there's some gold in that. I suggest people skip back a couple of minutes if they want to hear that again because there's some really good stuff in there. I really like your piece because Mike and I know that Raf really treated this like a full-time job. He was really like structured himself out, laid it out, knew when these key dates were going to be where there was going to be potential interviews and he really it was like it was like watching a guy from a military background funny old thing train like he's in the military for something new the, the really good one that you've talked about there the networking there it has to be authentic there has to be a genuine element when you're doing that and it's it's a thing that you can't fake 
And everybody knows when they're being used by someone. You get a phone call out of the blue, someone's on the other end of the line and, and they're after something. You haven't heard them for, from them for a long time. And you know, you know that they're, you know, that sense of being used by someone else immediately turn off for everyone. And so the perfect point you've just made there is just you're reaching out to someone you might not have connected with for a while. Just make sure that you're engaging with them in an, like Raf said, authentic, like be interested in them, get what's going on with them. And as Raf has talked about, don't rush, don't rush to the freaking, you know, don't be that salesman who's pushing your foot in the front door because you're never going to get anything out. There's never going to be a return. The other person has to be engaged with you again, back in it. Raf? And, and here's the other thing too. 99% of the time, I didn't, I didn't even even have to ask for the letter of recommendation or anybody doing anything on my behalf. I literally just engaged them and engaged about the families and it was a genuine interest. And something that I said to myself before I engaged with some of these individuals I hadn't spoken to in a while was before I, before it became a conversation, I, I would literally think to myself and I would own it and I would say, you know, if nothing comes of this, I, I don't care. I'm not, of course I needed some help. But I made sure that my mindset was if nothing came from it other than I just caught up with this friend of mine, it's a win. It's an absolute win. And I think that really carries a, a certain level of like positivity and like energy. And it just, again, it turns into authenticity. And, and like you said, nobody wants to be called up just to be used, right? It, it, we're not stupid. We can pick up on these things. And what other things as well, like being in the middle of your career, you know, 20 plus years into an aviation career. <laughs> You've had relationships, if you know, knowing you the way I do, and and Mike's the same. You've you've been a great teammate. You've been a great crewman. You've been a great guy in a squadron. You've done the work. You've generated relationships with people, so, and and all of that stuff goes out into the universe, so that there are now people who have moved on and they're in a second career, and they know who you are. They actually know who you are, and there's no faking that. This is the step that people, they're like, yeah, 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 but how do I fake that part? You know, how do I chrome polish the turd? Because that's all I just want to chrome dip it. You can't create a you can't create a background story with people when there is no story. And this is where people think karma is like magic. Karma is not magic. Karma is just, you know, you reap what you sow. And if you've been been a professional, you've been interested in other people's success and you've been uh doing the work for 10, 15 years, people know. And when you they hear that you're around. It's like they want to help. You've helped them. They've seen you do this for other people and they want you on their team or they want to see how they can help help you progress because they know that you do the same if the tables are turned. That's exactly it. I, I honestly think that, you know, because I, I actually took some time to sit down with friends of mine and I reviewed their applications because I had just gone through the same thing. And that paid dividends. And I didn't do it because I wanted their help. I, but I deliberately made sure that I was helping others in my shoes um, that were trying to move on to, you know, whatever's that they're trying to move on to. And I deliberately would set a time, you know, actually one of them kind of caused a fight because I was supposed to be doing family stuff, but I knew that it was kind of important for this individual. So I literally said, send me your application. And I just took out the red marker and I started like making corrections that I had just experienced myself previously. Um, you know, because I had a professional app reviewer, which was a waste of money looking back. But the point is, I used the same skill sets to pass on to other people who just got it for free. But in so in that regard, that was a win because I helped somebody save 
$400, right? Like I helped somebody save however much money. Raph, I just want to take a second, man. And like, I know we say it offline, but I want everybody to hear, man. It's just like, Melon and I are extremely proud of you for, for all of this. And, you know, you're, you're talking about the episode and trying to help other people. Like it, it's just flows with you, but if you listen to like what Raph just said, like he didn't have to, and it, and it caused some extra time and maybe some arguments or whatever here and there. But, you know, we talk about being a leader, being a mentor, a warrior, and a friend and teammate. Like, this is the perfect example of what we're talking about. He didn't have to sit there and do it, but he's literally actively, like, not not just thinking about himself genuinely. He's like, how could I help other people? You know, advancing advancing the front. Be like, people have been there already. They've shared it with me. And then he's turning around helping other people that he recognized uh, are on the same path. And he's helping them out, too. Like, that's... One of the reasons I love you. The other reason is just because I need translation of Spanish sometimes. But uh, the, the, the other side is uh, is stuff like that. I mean, I, I'm just really proud of you, dude. And um, you you earned every bit of this job. So I just wanted to tell you that. I'm more proud of you, and I want discounted flights. See, look, there's the kiss ass. If, if, if I would like another pause, right? Another branch. If anybody ever sees Melon comments on Facebook and other stuff, he loves kissing people's asses. He puts his eye. I, he's the first one. I just really enjoyed this conversation, man. I just really, you know, all this stuff. And it makes us look bad. So knock it off. All right? Like, we're, we're all appreciative. But knock the shit off, Melon. Nobody likes you. All right? Was it George Costanza who said, you know, if you can fake authenticity, you got it made? Is that, was that a George Costanza from Seinfeld quote? Probably. Something like that. It might be. Yeah, I just want to give one real shout out. And it's, you know, in in your endeavors and whatever your pursuits are, hopefully you've got a group of people. Maybe you've got a couple of good friends, even if they're not in your industry. I'm very fortunate. A lot of my closest friends outside of this group are are aviators. We're all in the same industry. So in that regard, it's almost unfair because we you know, I've got a lot of insiders, so to speak. But the level of dedication that we have to one another is above above reproach. It's above just what's normal. And I'm just thinking of two people specifically. It's Matt Hopper, who was on the show, and his brother Luke have been like my greatest ambassadors. I mean, I'd be getting emails in the middle of the night from his brother Luke like, hey, I just met somebody who's at this major airline that I'm at now and I'm going to link you up with him you know and it's like one of those it's a friend of a friend who served a cappuccino to this other person it's just these connections that I had nothing to do with and it's just because these guys were like I want to help Raf and but that's again going back to it started in 2005 when I first met Matt Hopper and we just became friends and we created you know memories together and I helped him out and he helped me out and it just but the point is it, whatever your endeavor, recognize who you're, who the people that genuinely want you to succeed and, and yeah, don't focus on yourself, focus on them and it will be reciprocated tenfold because I'm telling you, these two guys, these two guys literally were my greatest ambassadors. I mean, it's, I was, you should see some of the, the, the mail and the text messages and the phone calls that were happening and these guys are just out there, you know, trying to get me on with one of the six major airlines and, you know, it's 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 a life changing event, not just for me, for my family. I mean, it's a they're great careers. I think a lot of people mistake networking for like 
freaking internet bombing people and spamming them on LinkedIn or sending out a thousand emails, cold calling. It's nothing to do with that. I reckon you've given some really good um, advice to people. Look inside your circle, maybe reach out to some people in mentor positions, but just look at what you've, the, the circle you've created over your your time and lean on them. Lean on the people who, who you would genuinely help and you'd love to have on your team because they'll be the reciprocal position. Who who wouldn't want someone they've served in combat with in the flight station when they're in the same business? You just know you're going to staff that that enterprise with people who are going to conquer the world. All right. Mo- moving on, like after that networking piece, I think there's a really good bit of preparation for the specific uh, industry. Obviously, that's going to be specific, but then into the business or position. So you need to turn up with like a lot of information in your head. So, you know, looking up actually performance of the business that you look, you're looking to get into, getting information on people in key positions so that you've got that information at your fingertips. Stuff like business values and so on. Those those are things that you can work into prepared answers. There was Raf talked about uh, some preparation there. If you're not able to identify your own strengths, write out a few A4 pages where you are getting five or six strengths into an A4 page and weaving in some of the business values, the position you're applying for, where you can demonstrate times when you've demonstrated some of these values and and nearly every business has business mission statements and values because they're going to be looking for people. Like I did a Silicon Valley tour uh, with my MBA a couple of years ago and these amazing startups in Silicon Valley who are taking on the world, they talk about that they they are not really interested in the qualifications that people have. They're like, that's the minimum hurdle to get in the door, whatever level of computer programming, for example, being a software guy but they're looking for culture and they're wanting to add to the culture they have. And so these types of um, businesses have really thought a lot about those mission, uh, their value statements and so on. And you can look at projects they're undertaking in the world and they, they really want people who are going to come in and deliver that stuff because that is important to them. I think we're, we're past the point where um, these things are like letter openers or door stops in offices. And, these successful businesses have, have people on board who are committed to the to the business. So I think there's a whole lot of prep you can do um, to make sure you're able to showcase your uh, strengths in sort of the standard HR answers that you're going to be able to then tailor to questions that are going to come at you. I think Raf really uh, highlighted that well. Do you have something going to throw in there, Mike? No, I'm just uh, I'm I'm honestly listening and I'm taking notes myself. To be honest with you. So then the other one that Raf talked about is identifying your weaknesses. So when is a good time to identify your weaknesses? Not in the interview, right? Like not when you're in the middle of it. You, you want to have had a, like Raf said, he's come out of the military aviation, which we have all of our own rules and you've got to comply with those. It's all super strict still. But as Raf said, you're not going to be doing a tactical approach like you're going into Afghanistan somewhere to avoid small arms. Why you're not going to do that with... 250 paying passengers down the back right? <laughs> for the last flight you do. So what do you do? Well, RAF's got a huge depth of experience of uh, rotary wing. He's got a huge depth of experience in military. So what did he do? He went, and, he went and made sure he was fully on top of all the civil rigs. And it'll be the same 
uh, for other people. It might be you've got some soft skills you need to work on, some of the interpersonal type relating with people skills. There might be some technical proficiency. You might need to add some qualifications or undertake training to be able to demonstrate uh, some of these things. But it's definitely a piece you want to do early in your prep. And I know Raf assigned like a good couple of months for this. How many? How long would you say you assigned for prep for this, Raf? Uh, so I actually started diligently, I would say, in June. And I was going pretty heavily between June and August. And most of my interviews happened in October, November timeframe. So really, I had three to four months of like dedicated, you know, I, like I would focus on the technical stuff. And then after speaking to that recruiter, I started doing the performance. Like I started kind of looking at the questions. I started like searching on the internet, started calling people like, hey, what are the questions they asked you? And I started formulating the answers in my head. And I just kind of keep kept honing them, kept honing them and just kind of, you know, because I again, I didn't want to sit there and talk for 20 minutes. I wanted to give a good like a, an answer that would be like, damn, that's good. And it was 90 seconds, you know, and I would just, uh, yeah, just push. again, it shows that you're prepared because people are like, well, you don't want, you know, packaged answers. I'm like, but it's not about that. It's about having, you know, answers with depth and, and concise, you know, verbiage that you're trying to deliver. And it shows that you're prepared, that you really want this. You know, you didn't just take the, accept the interview invite and be like, oh yeah, I might be there on Tuesday. No, man, I'm, you know, my suit. I actually had my suit ready, I think like a month before it was even, like I should have even worn it. I took it to the cleaners, it was there for a week. And I mean, I just made sure nothing, I left nothing to chance. I, I thought this is an opportunity that I need to absolutely do every, like I need to just bring everything, you know. I, I think there's some really good stuff in there as well that Raph just talked about. You're not necessarily going to do your best interview the first time. So a rehearsal slash applying for a few jobs that are not necessarily your dream job. Like keep that one, you know, keep your powder dry for that one. Make sure you're not going in, fumbling your way through intros or some of these stock questions where you you, you want to get it good. Like Raf talks about videoing his own answers and, and really taking that to the next level. But don't expect to ace it on the first go. So Raf here has applied for multiples and he saved some of his real, his, his dream uh, positions for later down the track. And you get a sense of the timeline he just talked about there. So we're talking five to six months here until he's uh, hit the big one out of the park. So don't expect this to be a, a fast process. So there's, you know, get a sense of the timeline. So identifying strengths, identifying weaknesses, rehearsals, because the preparation for sure, and like Raf and I see it uh, in, in flying missions, I know, uh, Mike and I talk about this. We talk about this offline. The confidence you have to have to execute comes from the preparation. You're never going to be able to fake the confidence when you're going in there and you know you've left stones that have not been turned over in your path. You know, your suit's not right or whatever it is. When you're going in, they're going to find those answers are going to come out not not the best and you don't want to do it on the day. So there's no way to fake the confidence you're never going to, you're going to be the freaking chrome dog turd. You've got to do the work. So the prep is going to build the confidence and that's what's going to let you deliver well and respond in the moment. You're going to oodle loop your way through an interview. If some strange questions come, you're going to be able to think quickly on your feet because you've got a, a breadth of uh, info you've taken in. Yeah, I don't like the phrase, fake it till you make it. I think that's nah. some of the biggest bullshit. Um, own, yeah, it and own it until you own it. 
Yeah. Own your le- own your level, own where you're at, and you own that responsibility of preparation and going up to it until it's yours. Like, just be honest, right? Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to add? Uh, I, I kind of want to like jump over into mine because there's a lot of uh, overlapping and things in here, but I think it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jump, go ahead. So a couple of my big ones uh, going up for it. So I'm I'm going up for a screening board um, beginning of next year. And I'm going before I, a bunch of E9s uh, to get my job and everything. And um, I'm really prepping for it. I'm uh, doing all these things that you guys are saying. There's a couple of new things that I like in there um, that I'm writing down. So I appreciate this conversation. Um, but just a couple of things I wrote down is you're not sell, you're not, you're selling you. You're not selling this facade. So you're not faking it, right? So just going into it. Going into it, I want them to know who I am personally and professionally. Like, I don't have time or energy to waste to try to sell you something that I'm not. Because, one, experienced people are going to see that. Your peers are going to already know that, right? And there's no getting around it. You're going to put more energy and effort into being something you're not than what you really are and what you need to focus on, right? So sell yourself, not the facade. Um let them know your who, your what, and your why, and just be blatantly honest, okay? If you're, you know, I I hate the cookie-cutter answers, and I think there always are the cookie-cutter questions, but if you're going into an interview and you're like, hey, I'm so-and-so, and you're smiling, and you're like, I can show up on time, I can I can do this, you know, why do you want to work here? Well, I just love being here, and I want to, like, okay. Knock off the cookie cutter bullshit and tell me why you're really here. Oh, you have two children and you're struggling to make, you know, ends meet and you're, you want a paycheck, you know, to really work and, and that's who you are and what you're going through. I will respect that versus the bullshit. You know what I mean? Me as a senior leader, when I'm like listening to the, my, my um, you know, people that are under me and, and that I lead, I, I want to know everything about their life and hey, what's your why? Your what? And, and your who, like, who are you? Um, prep your official records and your resume, right? So words words are one thing. Your records are another. And then your actions are also the third part of that triad right there. Um, but having your official record, records and your resume squared away, as Raph alluded to, it's going to give them the snapshot of who you are at, as a professional uh, and your previous you know, records within that job or that line. Okay. Um, that's gonna, that's gonna give them their snapshot. In the military, you have your evals, which, you know, the eval system isn't that great because I think everybody that can look at it and be like, yeah, that, that doesn't reflect that guy. And it's, you know, there's some bullshit written in there, but it's the first snapshot of you and where you're coming from. The second part of it is like, okay, hey, that got you in the door. So your title, your previous position or whatever, that got you in the door. But now it's time to, okay, now that you're here, let's start peeling back some layers. And you better be prepared to talk about it. And having that ammo to support you is only going to help you. So um, next part is be humble and confident. All right. Don't be cocky going in there. I know some people are just like, oh, yeah, go in there, stomp your foot and own it, whatever. I mean, maybe very specific jobs, but you're probably not going to last there that long because – it's not, that's, I don't know, that's my opinion. But um, go in there no matter what. There'll be some other asshole will come along. Yeah, yeah, there's always more, a bigger asshole. Or overconfident. 
Yeah, see, I got the job. Mellon shows up. He takes it from me. See, so uh, <laughs> it can happen. But be humble and confident. So, like, I could go into for a job interview and I tell people what I do. They're going to be like, oh, wow, and get the whole thing. But if I go in and I'm an asshole and I'm cocky, they're like, I don't care who you are or where you came from. I will never work with you. Like, you, you bring nothing. Um, give credit to where credit's due. If you go in there acting like you've done everything on your own and you show up, that's automatically saying you're not a team player. You're not offering mentorship. You're not bringing anything to that group or company. And you're all in it for yourself. And you kind of just shot yourself in the foot, right? So um, give credit to people who've passed on to you, um, that uh, you're grateful for them, and that you're willing to do genuinely, genuinely looking to do the same for others, and that you're going to bring that along, that spirit and that team mentality with you. Uh, we said it before, what got you here will not get you there. Do not depend on previous achievements or titles or anything else to get you to the next level or to just get you into that job and expect everything. Uh, there's a huge thing within special operations that guys think they're God's gift. And I'm, you know, I'm putting it out there. They think that they can jump out and walk right into a six figure job because of past accomplishments. Um, has it happened? Yes. Very, very extremely rare. But when everybody thinks that they can do that, you're already setting yourself up for failure. So go into there humble, realize, Hey, I've achieved a lot. You're kind of starting in a clean slate with these, with this group, with this company, whatever, and you need to prove it all over again, right? Yeah, oh, you were this big, you know, the special operations soldier did this, that, blah, blah, blah. Wow, wow, look at your records. Everything's great. Now what do you have to offer me? What are you going to do in a week? What, what is it, what's this conversation going to look like next year, right? And you better be ready to work and go back to the basics on a lot of shit. Right. That's just kind of how that goes. Um, and then the last part that I had is understand the levels. Right. So if you can come in and you're saying, hey, this is who I am and talk about yourself, but also research and have conversations prior to and learn about their level of leadership and those that are above you in this in this potential new job, because you're telling them, hey, I already know your expectations. I already know what you're looking at me for, and I'm already investing and researching and trying to get onto your level and your and like what you're really taking to heart. So if I only walk in and I'm talking about my level of stuff, they're like, okay, he gets it. But if I come in and I say, hey, I already know as as my boss, you're going to look to me to develop people. You're going to look for me to mentor, uh, take charge of this, uh, take ownership of that. And I'm already working towards that. I'm like, wow, they get it. They already understand the next levels and their expectations coming in. And this is somebody that I don't have to invest a, a lot of my energy into to train. Um, I can mentor them a little bit more, but I'm not pouring tons of stuff into completely retraining this person on how to look outside of that, that small bubble of themselves. So that's attractive. You know, it's like, hey, they're a self-starter. They get it. They, they can see the big picture. It's not always about them. And uh, they understand the chain of command or, you know, the levels of leadership. Uh, that's a that's a great quality. So um, going into a couple things like that, I think, uh, you know, these that this is my short list. Obviously, we can dive in a lot more. But, uh, you know, this it's a starting point. Go ahead, Mel. That's a great list. That's a, that's very, very good stuff. I was going to say um, it's good. Raph was talking about preparing his answers and getting them into a nice slot of around two minutes. 
too short, not enough information, you're not going to be able to portray any of the qualities. If it goes too long, you're going to waffle and you're going to lose the point. You want to stay on the point. I would encourage people to look at the STAR method of answering where you go through S-T-A-R. So a situation, you give a few pieces of information about what a specific situation was and you're going to identify times in your past you've had some good victories. This is the shortest bit of the answer, the situation. The task, so your specific role in the situation. Again, two to three pieces of information. The A is the action. So here, you are going to detail the action you took. Avoid using we. Avoid talking about what your boss did or what your friend did. You want to detail what you did in the situation to generate the R, which is a result. So the result for you, the result for the team, the result for the business unit, for example. In here, include a piece about what you learned and how you grew. So this is STAR, S-T-A-R, situation, task, action, and result. And this can constrain you because we all need a bit of left and right so you don't waffle on. When you finish the result, what you, uh, the result you delivered and how you have become a better person out of it, what you learned, stop. Be aware of the pregnant pause. It's the oldest interview technique in the book. Everyone sits there and looks at you. And they want to see if you're just going to now dilute your answer with waffle. So when I've had that and I've given that to people myself, a very good way is asking them if they would like you to expand on any part of the answer. And invariably, no, the next question comes out. So just a bit on actual interview answer technique there. Yeah, that's solid. I never heard that before, star. I wrote that down. I like that. Ralph? Yeah, if I could just add, um, and this is something that happened, I think, two out of the four interviews that I took. At the end of every one of those interviews, they almost always asked me, or like I said, two out of the four, they asked, do you have any questions for, for me or for us? I'm assuming a lot of people just want to get out of that interview room because, you know, you've, you've been in the hot seat. I deliberately had questions in the back of my head. I generated questions while I was talking to these individuals, right? Like I would pick up small pieces of information, like the job that I was able to land. I knew that the captain that was in front of me was uh, from Hawaii, living in California. So I knew that I was already going to have common ground with her on that regard. And then the other uh, person that was there in the room, um, which was HR, uh, who's also a young lady, was from the local area that I was physically at and had moved to another place that I was very familiar with. So I, and I was already kind of talking to her before. I didn't even know she was going to interview me. I just kind of saw her in the waiting room. And the point I'm trying to make is I took the time when they asked me, do you guys, do you have any questions? I said, yeah, absolutely. And I had already designed these questions in the back of my head so that at the end of the conversation, I asked them and because I was again, genuinely interested. I wanted to hear the answers to these questions. So what I'm trying to allude to is, if they give you an opportunity to ask them questions about the company, about themselves, about why they've been there for 25 years, take that opportunity. Don't just be like, no, I'm good. I got all the answers. It, you're literally showing that you have zero interest. And so everything you just said, like, I'm a team player, blah, 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 blah. But I don't want to get to know you. I don't want to get to know these insights from someone who's been in the company for the last 25 years. Take And I, and I know that this happened because there was a couple other people that interviewed around the same time I did. And I said, hey, you know, how was the interview? Like, it was good. You know, blah, blah. I was like, oh, yeah. Did they ask you to ask him questions? Like, yeah. But, you know, it was good. And I'm like, 
I just kind of like looked at him like, what? They just gave you a softball. Yep. So just, you know, have some questions, maybe some generic questions, but build them up as you're sitting in the room. And, you st- and hopefully you get an idea of where these people are from. Are, are they from Wisconsin? Do they wake up in a dairy or did they grow up in a dairy farm, et cetera, et cetera. So if you can't think of anything, when you go into the room, take a deep breath and look around the room. And usually in offices, there are plenty of things to pick up on. I don't know how many times I've walked in to talk to people and there's sports stuff in there. And it's just like, hey, if it's a Steelers terrible towel or something, I'm like, oh, so separate topic. What part of Pittsburgh are you from? I'm from there. And start off a genuine conversation like, oh, have you ever been here? Right. And, and it sets the mood. It, you're relatable. And it just puts it takes a lot of weight off of you. But it, then it turns into a conversation more than just black and white interview. Right. So look for those clues around you in the office. If you can't think of anything, that's a good little tip. Go ahead, Mel. And it's also impossible that that you know everything about the position or the business or any of the training pipeline, the timeline ahead of you, when you could expect to hear back how many people you're competing. There's, it's impossible. If you don't have a question to ask there, that is a massive red flag, I think, for the person on the other side of the table that you know, you, you've come in there massively focused on yourself and are probably overconfident, Raph. So one of, the, one of my go-to questions, if I can't formulate something, and it actually, I dropped it on, on this person, and I, it generated a really good conversation, um, was I said, if you were the king or queen for the day, what would you change? What would you do differently you know, with this company? Like, you know, it's not something you hate. Maybe you love something, but you would love it more if they did you know, this. And it generated like a legit 10-minute conversation. So I think that's a really good question to have in your back pocket. Yeah. I've, I've um, also seen like what you think are the main challenges I'm going to face in the first six to 12 months in this role. And then, you know, you can get into a back and forth then. And you're, you're breaking them, as uh, Mike just said, you're breaking out of the interviewer, interviewee, the power dynamic shifts, and you're getting into an interaction where they're starting to picture what you'd be like to work with. They're not seeing you as someone on the other side of the table. Well, that's some, uh, that's some really good stuff. Between the three of us, one's prepping, one's been done a little while, and one's just nailed it. So you've heard it here. Um, I'd say that the seven Ps of preparation are the key. Doing the research, taking the time, identifying your, your strengths and weaknesses, finding out some key elements about the position you're going for, demonstrate, uh, go in there ready to demonstrate how you've addressed uh, weaker areas and a bit of answer structure with a star technique. Remember that the preparation builds the confidence. Raf's um, done a beautiful job of illustrating effective networking there. With relationships that already exist, you're not cold calling people. There's no one who wants to be used. These are people that you're reconnecting with or you've maintained a connection with. And when you're genuinely interested in them and are helping uh, other people, and it's a back and forward exchange, it's a totally different uh, piece there. Remember, a lot of these people are not recruiting for a skill set. They're expecting you're already coming in with a skill set. They want to see that you're going to have a willingness and ability to learn because all of these industries are only changing and the, the change is at an accelerating rate. You want to demonstrate the ability to continue learning. And they're looking for a culture ad. So they're looking for character type uh, answers. So, you know, I hope that we've uh, cooked up a little bit of interview prep for people out there. 
Uh, take the opportunity. Remember, as Raf was saying there, you know, he didn't nail it first go. There was six month block here. He saved the big interviews for the last, and he worked his way through until he got more and more confident, more and more comfortable in that back and forward flow until he was able to really nail it when he needed to. Is there any final uh, thoughts you wanted to leave people with there, Mike? Uh, no, just rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Just like anything else, is uh, if you actually got the job, like you're going for it. And, um, you know, one of the things we call it, <laughs> where I'm at, we call them murder boards, where, you know, we have our peers and other people that aren't part of the board because legally they can't be yet, but they go in there and they make it harder. So just like, just like my training, sometimes the training is harder than, than combat, right? So same thing. Make it the hardest freaking interview you could possibly think of. So when you go into the real one, you're like, wow, that wasn't that bad, you know? The train hard fight easy for Mike. And how about you there, Raf? having done this just recently? Any key bits you just wanted to drop before we leave? Um, I mean, not really. I mean, we could. this is a topic that we can discuss for a long period of time. But I, I think I highlighted the things that I felt were the most important and that actually proved any sort of success if I had any along the path. All right. Well, if you guys have um, some good tips that you've got or you've uh, seen demonstrated, you've demonstrated yourself, perhaps you've been on the other side of the table and you've seen uh, people deliver well, let us know. Uh, not your average Paul, not your average Mike 77 and not your average Raf. Raf, did you have one more point? Yeah, I, I do want to say something. And I think this is important. We, we I think we alluded to it, but I, I really want to solidify it now. Sorry. Um, when you make it, whenever it is that you make it to the place that you want to be, and if it's a coveted spot, right? Like I landed a major airline that people would love to fly for. Don't stop. Now it's your turn to turn around, look back, and see who you can bring up to the ranks and see who else you can bring in to, to, that, to that group and become a cohort, right? Like don't be that person that just reaches their goal and be like, okay, I'm done. Cutting off all my ties. I'm not going to send Christmas. Like literally, now it's your turn to start helping. Right, because everyone just helped you get to where you're at. Now it's your turn to, to to pass it on. So I think that's keep that in mind. It's a it's an ongoing evolution. Hang on, I'm just writing this down. Don't strike match, throw over shoulder onto wooden bridge. You just walked across. Got it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So so once again, you got some tips. You got some answers. Uh, things that you think we've perhaps missed or that we got right. Let us know on the the Gmails to all of us. Remember, we're looking to. We've only got a couple of weeks now. We want to increase our footprint. Want to double it on the social medias, and uh, we're looking for fifty reviews. We'd love you to jump on and give us a re review. Make it honest. Don't trick and hold back. Let us know what you really think, and uh, we're looking for hundred ratings as well. So until next time, take care. You know, next week there might be a bit of silly season stuff, but uh, yeah, <laughs> don't let it get out of hand yourself. Stay safe on the roads and all that sort of stuff at this time of year, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>